1: Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.
0: Shoppers, John Deere presents Live from West Palm Beach for the start of spring baseball thanks to Academy Sports and Outdoors it's Payne and Pendergast on Sports Radio 610. Alright, good to be with you
2: as we uh, head into the 7 o'clock hour here on Sports Radio 610. I'm still getting used to the looking down and. In- seeing 8 o'clock on my phone, I'm doing subtracting that hour. But I'm getting, by, by Friday, midway through the show, I'll have it down pat, right before I get back on a plane to go to Houston. But it's good to be with you. We are live in West Palm Beach. Sean Pendergast, Seth Payne. It's Astros spring training. We are headed up to Port St. Lucie today to see uh, our hometown team take on the hated New York Mets, who, by the way, the, oh. the favored right now, the most likely matchup, according to oddsmakers in the World Series in the 2023 World Series, we will be getting a preview of it
3: today. We're going to get uh, maybe like uh, a, a 15% preview of that potential matchup today, depending on who starts at which positions. Uh, Luis Garcia <laughs> yeah. will pitch for probably two innings, yep. and uh, we'll get a little bit of that. I would imagine, uh, let's see, with the Mets out there, If they, if they have two or three of their position players starting, then that's about, what, $300 million out on the field? (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. I'm kind of excited. I'm kind of excited that, I mean, there's a chance with the Mets. Even though it's a spring training game that we're going to see some high dollar uh, items out there today. For
2: sure at least one I would yeah. imagine. One will not be Justin Verlander. He pitches on Saturday Coward. this week. Coward. Yep. Face us, yep. damn you. Yep. yep.
3: There's no ill. I'm joking. There's no ill will.
2: 18 to 1 the chances of the Astros and the Mets facing off in the World Series. That is, uh, <laughs> those bets are such sucker. Eighteen bets, to man. one for what? It's that those are the two teams facing each other in the World Series. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. that it's the Mets versus the Astros. They they are the respective favorites in their in their leagues. Um, so as uh, far as what we saw yesterday, because we uh, we talked about it in the six o'clock hour, but we got people just getting in right now to their cars. This is their first chance to hear what we saw out there yesterday. So Seth and I got our first look. Um, our first look at baseball played under the new rules. We just got done talking about the pitch clock, the impact on things, the speed of the game, not too intrusive. Um, Jose Altuve was my only concern coming yeah. out of this. Yeah, he
3: uh he looked hurried and he struck he struck
2: out three times. Yeah. He
3: was swinging freely, don't worry. Jose's not all of a sudden uh, timid at the plate.
2: And he looked good in the field. It wasn't affecting his defense. Yeah, that's right. that's right. He, he was very good defensively. He wasn't thinking about the pitch clock too much during uh, on defense. Well, you know how sometimes you can have that uh you know, it gets in your head and it affects everything. He's compartmentalizing well. He turned a couple double plays. It was, it was nice, nice to
3: see him and Peña out there together. Yeah. So that part was all right. He just, he looked hurried. I almost wondered too, if El Tuve and maybe Kyle Tucker, cause he complained about it. And those were the two guys that we wondered about. Cause they've got, they've got pretty established and intricate routines between pitches. Yeah. Kyle Tucker flat out complained about it. El Tuve wasn't available yesterday after the game for comment. Um, but it, it didn't really look like Altuve. Maybe it had really practiced the faster pace at all. It almost no. felt like he had just realized, figured, like, all right, when I get up there, I'm going to have to do it and I'll do it. And maybe he gets rid of something. It, I mean, it looked like frantic when he was, when he was doing his wrist straps. It looked frantic compared to what it usually does. The
2: wrist strap thing looked non-negotiable for him. He's like, I must adjust my wrist straps. I must get this in, and thus I will do it as fast as I can, so I'm alert to the pitcher with at least eight seconds left. The problem for a lot of these guys, Seth, both hitters and pitchers, like, for example, today Luis Garcia is pitching. He's having to work on on tweaking his pitching motion with nobody on base. Shouldn't be too much of a reach because when he pitches from the stretch – that seems to be something that fits the, the, yeah. the rule changes. But Luis Garcia is making adjustments to what he has to do. Others are having to do that. And a lot of these guys are going to play in the World Baseball Classic now for a couple of weeks. Right. So, which, which is played under the old rules. Right. And, when it, and that's where we, I, it, a couple of weeks ago I thought, well,
3: yeah, so they'll just you know – they've been practicing, I'm sure, what, they've, what, they're, uh, what they're supposed to do under the new rules. And they'll just do the same thing when they get the World Baseball Classic. That was dumb of me. Because, for one, I mean, when Luis Garcia showed up when pitchers and catchers reported, he said he himself was kind of unclear about what the rules were. That he wasn't really sure that he hadn't actually been reached out to personally by MLB. They'd reached out to the Astros' coaches. So... Early's uh, maybe least maybe MLB reached out to him and he didn't he didn't realize it. Um, that's what he, happens to young athletes sometimes. Ignore. Yeah, you are know, like I don't know this number, whatever. <laughs> yeah. So happens to radio. I mean, hosts that, too. so that's and then but then you get into the World Baseball Classic. You're playing for your country and guys care about those games. So what are you going to do? You would probably the temptation is going to be to go to what's comfortable. And
0: oh yeah, and trying so, to win the game.
2: Yeah. yeah,
3: so it's a lot of extra reps. We almost have to we almost have to hope for these teams to fail. More than um, I'm rooting against all of them. Let's find whichever. Which, which I which I've said I don't a, want
2: any of them playing in this thing. I don't yeah. care about the World Baseball Classic. Yeah. And Spillane sitting here telling me like how awesome it is. It's so fun. That's great. I'm glad it's a lot of fun. I want my Astros focused on being Astros. I don't want them focused on being Venezuelans or Americans or Mexicans these, or whatever these, they uh, are. These
3: are the countries that the Astros will be representing okay. in the World Baseball Classic. And we have to find the ones one of the countries that they are not representing okay. and hope for that team to dominate yep. to eliminate all of these other guys. Yep. So, uh, Tuve and Luis Garcia for Team Venezuela. Okay. Martin Maldonado for Team Puerto Rico. Yep. Um, and uh, let's see. Oh, Ryan Presley. Kyle Tucker for the Dominican Republic, and, uh, no. <laughs> for, uh, for the U.S. Um. <laughs> At least
2: one person just got out of their car before you corrected
3: yourself. Uh, Urquidy for Team Mexico. You know, anybody in any other team, there's very few, you know, we'd, uh, Mexico is kind of screwing us here. There's uh, Urquidy being from Mexico. It would be easy if uh, if it weren't for Urkiti, then we could just root for Mexico. Oh, and yeah, would be, you yeah. Know, I feel like that would be a popular move in Houston anyway, and yet we'd also... But now we got to root against Mexico because yeah. we want Urquidy
2: back as soon as possible. Did you see Alex Cora? There's two players on the Red Sox, I forget who they are, yeah. that are playing for Mexico. He Alex Cora, the manager of the Red Sox, brought in a mariachi band to their spring training facility yeah. so that the two players could explain... Like oh, yeah? Mexican tradition to the rest of the team. Oh. Yeah. Got That's a Popovich type yeah. move. That's what Popovich does. That's a Lopez move. Lopez has a mariachi band at all of his kids' weddings.
3: <laughs> I guess it's not quite the same thing, but yeah. It's got... <laughs> he brought in a mariachi band. Um,
2: Popovich. Well, Popovich uh,
3: it does, has his international players... Uh, get up and like do presentations. Oh, that on their, sounds stressful. It's like a book report on their home yeah. countries to get to know each other. Yeah, yeah. That'd be uh, I, I like that move by Cora.
2: Yeah, I do too. And it's that's that's pretty good.
3: Um. So um, oh, Framver's not playing though. Yeah, that, I, I, the, I knew that. So the DR, that's why. Okay, so can we cheer for the DR? Is anybody else playing for the Dominican Dominican Republic? I don't know. Yeah,
2: I'm not sure. Um. I've got the lineup for today. Oh, no, Uh,
3: Pena's playing for the Dominican Republic. Okay.
2: Um, Spillane just sent me – Adam Spillane is uh, is at the the, uh, facility up in uh, West Palm Beach. He sent me the lineup for today, for today's game. Among those we will get to see. You ready, Seth? Yeah. Uh, Leading off, playing right field, Kyle Tucker. So you and I get to watch in person Kyle Tucker – uh, try to play in Game Two under the new yeah. rules, and he
3: sped up his routine. He was not happy not about happy. it afterwards. He feels like it favors the pitchers. I disagree. Yeah, I think it, I think it disadvantages both pretty equally.
2: Yeah. Um. As far as the uh, you know one of the big arguments, there are still some Jake Myers uh, truthers out there. Yeah. And they are uh, clashing with the Chaz McCormick truthers. Oh. The only thing better than Jake Myers versus Chaz McCormick is when you get them both in the same lineup. At the same time. That's
3: right. That's right.
2: Let's uh, let's duel it out. Batting second, Who's playing which? Jake Myers My- yeah. playing left field. Yeah, okay. Chaz playing center field. So what that tells me is Chaz still is the front runner. Like Chaz is the alpha dog in yep. this relationship
3: so far. We'll see if uh, okay. we'll see if Myers is now able to even throw to a second base from left field or yep. not. If his exactly his, his pop gun arm. We'll see if is his arm is somewhat. still
2: connected to his torso. Yeah. yeah. Um, Jose Abreu is batting cleanup today. So you and I get Abreu's our first. Abreu's a
3: workhorse, man. Yeah, Abreu's yeah. got Abreu's he's Abreu's, durable too. He's been
2: out there a lot.
3: Like yeah. he's uh, he very much. Feels like, no, i got to get out there. i got to get my reps in. It's cool to see out of an older guy. So, you know, I I feel like that goes a long way in kind of, you know, establishing a certain type of work ethic for the younger guys not to feel like, oh, yeah, as I get older, I'll get lazy.
2: Corey Lee is batting fifth, playing catcher. Somebody named Bannon is batting sixth, playing third base. We get a little uh, Hensley action at shortstop today. Mm. So he's battling for a utility spot. Uh, Some Whitcomb fella is playing second base, batting eighth. So no Altuve today. And uh, DH batting ninth. Yiner Diaz. Okay. I'm going Yiner. He Yiner, says, Jiner, he says Yiner. Jiner. He does? Yeah. We had this argument last year. Yeah. And I thought he, and in an interview, Didn't, he said Yiner. Oh, I, he was say Jiner. Jiner. Yeah, oh, I was saying Jiner say Jiner, Yiner. Yeah, I was saying Jiner, and you oh, were correcting me. All right.
3: I knew it was the opposite of what we thought, but then we got it convinced that it was there. But it's spelled with a... It's spelled with a Y. Oh, it's spelled with a Y. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, you know who messed it up? It was uh, David Ortiz kind of pronounced it almost with a... He says Jiner. Okay. Jiner. And uh, that's, what, that's okay. what messed us up okay. on that.
2: That may be part of the accent. Uh, there's
3: actually, we got to root hard against the Dominican Republic because the Astros have...
2: <laughs> I have a vested interest in the world baseball Classic. The right Astros, now. I
3: think, have six guys uh, playing for the okay. Dominican Republic.
2: We need to put together a, 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 as opposed to us doing it on the fly, we yeah. need to sit down and put together a guide to rooting... Against Astros in I'm the World tell, Baseball we'll Classic, tell, uh,
3: we'll tell these guys that today. Yeah, we'll be like Abreu, Christian Javier, Rafael Montero, and Hector Nearest. Yeah, also uh, let's the, pick the biggest,
2: a, strongest guy on the team and tell there, him we there, want his team to there's
3: suck. A, there's a prospect <laughs> on there too. Yeah, I'll be like Javier. This is the thing. I hope you suck.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I hope you suck at the World Baseball right. Classic. Right, uh, and Luis Garcia on the mound. So, yeah, so some things, some things in the lineup that I'm anxious to see today. This will be really, really good. Uh, Forrest Whitley pitched yesterday. What did you think of Forrest Whitley? I thought that he looked fine. Like he said
3: afterwards, you know, that even the, the two-run homer that he gave up, he felt like the, the, the placement was where he wanted it. It was just a good hit. And it looked like a classic spring training performance where, without looking at the results – he got accomplished what he wanted to. He threw like seventy percent strikes. Um, he had good command and control. He looked comfortable. He's a he's a hell of a nice kid. And you just got to stay healthy and uh, and actually come back and, uh, and 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 show what he was capable of five six years ago.
2: He right. I mean, he's been here forever. Yeah. Um, he was really happy with his performance. Yeah, yeah. And so normally I would say, well, if he's happy, I'm happy. But he seems like somebody who's happy a lot of the time. He's always happy. That's yeah, what like, that's like, what, like if his yeah. house blew away in a hurricane, he'd be like – are you okay? It's like, no, no. I didn't really even like that house anyways. No, I was, <laughs> I've just been come, looking for a go. new house. Yeah.
3: yeah say la vie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is, uh, is, that a, is that a sign of weakness, Sean? Is he too nice? Does
2: he need, no, need to be more of a bastard? Uh, no. I, I Look, he's been through a strange journey, man. Yeah. He's been through a really weird, weird journey. So uh, however he is processing this portion of the journey... I'm not here to criticize it. I'm just here to say that I don't know how much I can read into his happiness over his performance. Today. Yeah,
3: the only other thing, too, that's or annoying yesterday. about spring training is there's no radar guns or the advanced stats or anything. So Thank you. Don't, you. you don't, that is annoying. You don't get a feel for, like, okay, exactly how fast he was pitching. They asked him after. Chandler Romer, Brian McTaggart asked him afterwards how, how, what he thought his velocity was, and he was like, I don't know. Yeah, don't know. he didn't yeah. know.
2: He didn't know. That was uh, – I didn't realize how big a part of the – consumption experience the radar gun is. Now that you get... Um, yeah, now that well, I'm looking yesterday, I'm like, okay, you know, uh, you know, we're sitting there watching Forrest Whitley in the first inning. I'm yeah. like, all right, well, it looks like there's some pop on his fastball. Uh, normally, I'd look up and go, oh, okay, well, it's only... 91, you know?
3: One thing I've noticed is not not as many people get to pretend they know exactly what pitch Yeah, that's either. true. We're weeding out the... F- it was a slider, it was a pass. Oh, it was a cutter, actually. But I was cutter. one of those people.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I lost my cheat sheet. <laughs> um, but uh, as far as other things from yesterday, observations, um, Jeremy Pena looks good. Uh, we did not get to see this hulked up Jeremy Pena until we interviewed him in the clubhouse afterwards. Yeah. I would say that lived up to the hype. If you are uh, looking to back up John McClain's claim that he could be an NFL safety, I,
3: yeah, I don't know. I like the whole thing about Pena. He's not that big of a guy, so I uh, I feel like sometimes people make a little too much of the bulked up part of it. Like I, he probably got, I, he probably added like three or four pounds of muscle, maybe. I don't know. He's just more. He's more like a bodybuilder than he is like a, like some of the. Like, the, the, the big, big dudes, the power hitters, you know?
2: Was it inappropriate for me to ask him what he's benching these days? No, I thought it
3: was a good meathead I, question. I novel. asked him that in the clubhouse. It was, it was actually you, it was good that you asked him that because he did actually give a good answer, which was that he, he has no clue because he doesn't bench. He doesn't, bench. He doesn't try to bench heavy dude. do – like, baseball players generally don't do a lot of the, the meathead stuff. Because the last thing they need to do is to get injured in the weight room. He said
2: dumbbells and deadlifts.
3: Yeah, yeah. Like, he doesn't do, like, Olympic lifts or anything like that. They're very careful. They have to play baseball six days a week. So they are um, they do a lot of stuff that's easy as possible on the joints and, uh, and don't necessarily try to jail and hurts it in the weight room.
2: He said dumbbells, deadlifts, and then he winked at me at the end. It's on video.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah? It's de- do you think that means he actually does do all the, like, bench press and lifts and everything it like yeah, that?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what I hope it means. Well, he
3: probably does – those are, like, his big core lifts, and then he probably does other, you know, just, like, bicep curls. Yeah. He's a young single guy. you got to do the curls. Could have been an involuntary
2: you know? wink. He'd get sprayed lemon juice in his eye or something He's like that. A, <laughs>
3: He's got a uh, – Sweat dripping down. Yeah.
2: Could be anything. Um, I may come back here – to West Palm Beach for spring training in a non business fashion at some point, yeah, this looks like a really fun thing to go do if you're an astros fan it's uh it's very laid back, well especially
3: this I guess it gets hotter today, but yesterday was like the perfect weather, so for plenty like, of seats in the shade, and if you're going, and the whole thing is too, because they're afternoon games. You can go play around to golf in the morning, That's or get around to golf in after the get game. A nice dinner Especially afterwards. Now that the games are one hour and twenty minutes long, you can totally you can get a round of golf in before and after a game. Yeah, yeah. you can
2: play nine, go get a game in, and then come back and play the back nine. If you yeah. sit in the
3: infield, you're in the shade for the most part. Yeah, and you know it's not like they're it's not like the um, the games are usually really really packed, so you can find a good seat in the. A place in the shade. I do need to find out what's
2: up with those suites. You mentioned the suites. Yeah. The suites look like cabanas, but it wasn't just the suites. On the level, the third level where the press box is, yeah. where we had to walk along that catwalk to get back over the elevator near the foul pole over there, they had like an open bar area. Yeah, there. like a club
3: level. Like or a something. club level. Yeah. It
2: was really nice. Yeah, yeah. I gotta find out how to get in there. <laughs> not so on this year you're, year. you're going to take a vacation for spring I think trading. I am because it coincides with spring break for Amy. I've already cleared it Oh already. yeah. I've already said I texted her at the game. I said we're coming next year. Yeah, for- you should 100% do that. Yeah, yeah. So if we come back here, I'll just stick around and uh, I'll, I'll 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 stick around and stay in the Airbnb for a few more days. You know, I'll let the company pay for it, but I'll just monitor it and say I'm just going to watch it for you guys. Parker's death staring me right now <laughs> and shaking his head. Nope, not happening. I think
3: um I guess the other uh, – so Luis Garcia today, are you expecting him to have the same level of difficulty that Altuve seemingly no. had or Kyle Tucker? <laughs> no, no. no, well, I didn't
2: see Tucker, so I can't say. I only saw Tucker complaining about it. Yeah. Um. So, But I saw Altuve yesterday, every pitch, and I think it's impossible unless Luis Garcia just goes out there and is balking on every single like, – Yeah. Like, Altuve struck out three times. I, I the it was- only
3: thing that annoys me about – the way it was handled with Garcia was that, it, that Garcia, when he showed up, like it was clear that they really hadn't explained it to him, and it didn't seem like the pitching coaches necessarily understood exactly what the restrictions were going to be, As, at least according to Garcia. like They're going to have to keep checking back with the league to be sure. I think, and,
2: and I'm, this is just me observing, obviously yeah. I'm not a baseball player, I think it's probably easier for a pitcher to work on tweaking his motion off yeah. to the side than it is for Altuve to... Get into a batter's box routine with live rounds coming out. Well, yeah, it.
3: with Garcia, there's not actually – the timing isn't the actual issue. It's his actual windup. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just room. a matter of changing that. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, you're right. You can, can hot-step that – walk through that as many times as you want. Yeah. Yeah, I feel better. Okay, I feel pretty confident that Garcia will be fine.
2: Okay, five stories from the book Winning Fixes Everything about the Astros during the – being better than everybody else scandal era, four of which I didn't know. Some of these are incredible. We will get to stories from Evan Evan Drellich's book on the Astros. We will do that next.
1: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. T-Mobile.com.
0: Shop is John Deere presents live from West Palm Beach for the start of spring baseball. Thanks to Academy Sports and Outdoors, it's Payne and Pendergast on Sports Radio 610.
2: I, there was a time where the um, the Astros were not the dynasty that they are right now. They were on the cusp of it, and at one point they were at the beginning of it, but now we're, we are uh, we're smack dab in the middle of it. We are smack dab in the middle of a dynastic era that a few years ago we thought we might be getting to the end of right now. Yeah. And now thanks to the likes of Jordan Alvarez and Kyle Tucker and Framber Valdez and right. Christian Javier and... All these, Hunter Brown, who is uh, third on the board for AL Rookie of the Year on the odds board. This window is extended uh, ad infinitum. I think
3: if you if you look at it and wonder, okay, what prevents you from being a dynasty in sports? Like obviously the the draft picks aren't as sweet as when you're tanking. You don't get you're not up there at the top two or three uh, every year. But then after that, also the big thing is that you got to keep paying all these guys. That's right. And the thing that the Astros have been able to do better than anything is just develop talent above and beyond where people would have projected it, including uh, yeah. And then that includes finding. old-aged Latin veterans, or old age Latin prospects. Guys who are guys who are crippled old men uh, at the age of 19 or 20 yeah. that the Astros would sign after the rest of Major League Baseball says, like, ah, oh, this guy's the a... Frambert. The rest of Major League Baseball said, well, no, Framber Valdez, he's ancient. He's way too old. Why would he's you sign him? Yeah, so any of them could have signed Framber, yeah. and yet the Astros are the ones who did it. Yep. So uh, they've, they've been able to just keep finding... Uh, they've been finding edges in places that other people didn't bother to look. Another one is the the Cuban players. I mean, the Astros they have, at any given time, they've got twice as many Cuban players in their system as the team with the second most Cuban players in right. baseball. Like, they just flat out get went aggressive before a lot of teams felt comfortable scouting Cuban players.
2: So the book, Winning Fixes Everything, which is uh, Evan Drellich, who used to cover the Astros, um, wrote a book, and it's it's largely about the intricacies of the sign-stealing scandal and the aftermath. But some of them are stories leading up to it. I it's, it's a story that you can't tell in book form without establishing maybe what the cultures and some of the beliefs of the organization were at an executive and a general manager level. And as a result, there are some stories in this book that... I'd not heard before, and that uh, some of our listeners have not heard before, but I think give a pretty good window into, at the very least, the thinking of Jeff Luno, the general manager back in the day. So let's go through these, Seth, and uh, see what the shock level is over each of these stories.
3: Some of them, too, you can tell why some people were as – as they were by the Astros early on. Like Bud, back when Bud Norris would go off um, about various things. like you, you can kind of see now why some of the veteran players didn't like it. Yep.
2: Um, the first uh, story is about George Springer and an eye exam. Yeah. Okay. In 2013, the Astros were in the midst of a horrendous 111-loss season, and they were doing so while George Springer, at the time 23 years old, was tearing up the minor leagues. He was on pace for a bi- having a 40-40 season. Um, between double uh, A AA and triple A. Yet Springer remained in the minors. His high strikeout rate was a concern for some in the front office, but the bigger reason was because they didn't, they wanted to mess with his service time yeah. clock. They, they wanted to delay yeah. that so they could keep him as long as possible and arbitration eligible for yeah. as long Which as possible.
3: Which we all, we all knew that. Yes. Like that was a point of contention.
2: Um, they offered him a deal. Twenty-three million over seven years to do sort of that arbitration buyout thing that they did with Bregman and but they but they
3: dangled in front of him is like hey we'll call you up if you accept this that's right that's, yeah that's,
2: it was like a ransom note so um so uh, Jeff Luno tried to do that George Springer wisely said no because he made a whole lot more money over those next yeah. seven years um this is the story though without Springer's agent present Luno tried to sell Springer on accepting the offer. Springer rejected the contract, but, quote, people connected to Springer were furious that the team wanted him to take an eye exam. And in retrospect, some members of the front office acknowledge how bad an idea it was. And I'm guessing take an eye exam because of his strikeout issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At spring training the next year, it became obvious Springer wouldn't make the opening day roster because they wanted to delay his service clock a bit longer. Again, Dave Trombley, who was the Astros bench coach at the time, says in the book, he had a conversation with Springer during training camp. Trumbly said, "Quote, he was talking about money. He said, when I get a chance to get him, I'm going to get him and I'm going to get him good." And he did. <laughs> Which I, yeah, and that's where I, I think that quote is a thing that might be shocking
3: to to some people because that doesn't seem like that doesn't seem like Springer's personality except that I mean it was I thought it was pretty evident that Springer learned the lesson about like the cold hard realities of baseball very early on because of the service time stuff. And he is we were talking to Spolane about it last night. You know, Springer was always pretty open about just flat out saying like, Yeah, you know, we'll we'll see what happens and like he never really dangled it out there about how much he wanted to stay in houston or anything i think he just he learned very early that yeah this is a business and i'm not going to be an idiot that gets suckered into any kind of pep talks about team or anything because i they've shown exactly what this is
2: i my reading that is there's no chance he was coming back when he hit free agency <laughs> like that's my well read. the only difference would be that luna wasn't there anymore, right yeah, yeah the
3: guys like the organization could conceivably have changed somewhat Could've. i mean a lot of i mean. Pretty much the entire front office was the same except for a couple guys. Right, though. right. So, and and you know, they brought in Click, who was pretty much in, right. in a lot of the, I mean, he was, he was, he was different than Luno in a lot of ways, but same kind of thinking.
2: And who knows if Springer holds Crane partially accountable for that as well. He's the yeah. owner of the team. You yeah. know? He's the one that was enabling Luno to Well yeah, and then part of it is
3: doesn't even have to be about spite at that point. It's just that like no, there's no there's no sentimentality. Yeah. Like when you learn On that lesson side, of probably. like oh okay, yeah, these guys are just yeah. I'm an asset and that's that's it. Nothing more. I'm not a human being to them.
2: Um, next one that I was not aware of was what they call in this article, these are stories from Winning Fixes Everything about the Astros over the last several years. Possible attempted coup. The book portrays constant conflict between Jeff Luno and team president Reed Ryan, as well as then manager Bo Porter, who managed the team in 2013 and 2014. When the club was under fire after failing to sign Brady Aiken, the number one overall pick in 2014, the book quotes an unnamed colleague as saying Porter and Ryan went to Jim Crane about firing Luno. Things were serious enough that Luno feared he was on the verge of being given the boot. Instead, Crane backed his GM. Probably a good choice. Porter was fired after the season, and Ryan was gone five years later. In the book, Ryan goes on record as saying there was tension between Porter and Luno, and he did inform Crane of the conflict, but he says he never tried to push Luno out. Porter also is on the record in the book that he never tried to get Luno fired, despite having trouble communicating with his GM. So, GM. So, Porter and Reed both deny this, but an unnamed source in the book says, "No, they tried to overthrow the palace."
3: look, like, okay, let's just for the sake of conversation, let's uh, let's say if this did happen, like the way it's described, it is. A, it's a good illustration for why it's actually way harder to tank than people realize because it just never it it's never as simple as people think it's going to be at the onset. You can't. It's. Like I've told you before, Sean, it's like when you, when you move, when you move houses or apartments, like you know it's going to be hard, but you don't know, you don't really know specifically how hard it's going to be or Mm -hmm. how it's going to be hard. And stuff pops up in the middle of like, oh, turns out our stuff is actually in Idaho for the next two weeks. Yeah. Like things, you have no way of knowing exactly what kind of difficulty it's going to be, but it's going to be difficult and it's going to be more difficult than you anticipated. That's where I think Crane, Crane's ability to be steadfast and stick to his guns. For as long as he did, really is, uh, it's, it's an endurance feat. And a lot, like, look at the 76ers. They couldn't do it. Yeah. You know, like various other teams that try to do it, they'll, it starts off as an intentional tank. And then what happens is it turns into an extended tank because they change tactics midway through. And
2: then they just suck without even intending to suck. I wonder if the Cardinals hacking thing that happened in June of 2014. Yeah, I wonder if they both went in Reed and Porter after that. Like, come on, man! Like, look, the guy's password is—he's uh, an IT professional and it's his Astro sixty-nine sixty-nine. What's he doing over here? It was okay for those of you who don't
3: know or, or remember the—they basically could figure out Luno's password because it was the he used the same method for his password, which was like what a a
2: fringe player on the team. Eckstein. What's that? Someone th- I read an article that said they thought it was it. Eckstein. It was X ex- da- David Eckstein. Like Eckstein was the password. Thought- R- right,
3: but it was because they followed a certain theme. It was like oh, a certain type know. of player and a certain type of number and everything. Oh, and they they, they 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 figured it out with a few things. Yeah, yeah. A yeah.
2: um, couple other stories here from the book. Uh, Justin Verlander was traded to the team late in 2017, and they were using the trash can banging system. That meant Verlander, as he got traded to the team, was about to find out what the Astros' hitters had been up to all season. Earlier in the 2017 season, when Verlander was on the Tigers in May, the Astros hammered him at Minute Maid Park for six earned runs and three home runs in five and two-thirds innings. What did Verlander say when he put on an Astros uniform and saw the whole scheme with his own eyes? You bleepers, he said, (laughs) while laughing, according to the book. That surprises me a little bit.
3: I don't know. There's always been a part of the – the trash can part of it where I wonder like if a lot of uh, there's got to be a certain part on pitchers in other teams where you're like, Oh, Oh, you mean we could actually hear that? Like we could hear it ourselves. Like how the hell do we not figure that out? Yeah. Cause what happened was too, and the data backs this up as other teams started to figure out what was going on. It actually started to work against the Astros. It's kind of like, it's like if you're a guy who cheats on your tests and then all of a sudden the professor like, does the alternate tests, but you keep cheating, you know, like, uh, looking at the guy next to you over his shoulder, you're gonna, you're gonna be worse, so the Astros were cheating based on faulty information at times as team started yeah. switching things up, yeah, and yeah. it ended up working against them, yeah, I, the, the fact that it was audible the entire stadium is the part that bothers me the most, that, uh, like, okay, listen, dumbasses, it, it, at some point, if you don't want somebody to cheat off, you cover up your tests a little bit
2: i just I'm surprised that that was I, when when they got to the end with Verlander's reaction, yeah. if you put your hand over that part of the story and said, what do you think verlander's reaction was I, I would have thought yeah, he might be a little pissed yeah. But he just laughed. I guess these are his new teammates, so it is what it is.
3: Yeah. I um, think he also thought – I think he would have thought, like, oh, we're, we're dumbasses.
2: How do we not figure that
3: out? Maybe. Remember, the only team – there were, like, two teams that
2: had not figured it out by the end of the year, and they were, they were idiotic, bad teams. Yeah. Um, the other two stories, um, not a big surprise. The, the – This organization was very split on trading for Roberto Osuna, who was serving a 75-game suspension for uh, alleged domestic abuse.
3: Everybody the year before, the entire staff had wanted Osuna, and they didn't go after him. But as soon as the trouble cropped up, then all of a sudden he was a distressed asset— and, and, got and, and Luna song. was like, oh, we can really get him now. And they yeah.
2: did, and that divided the organization a lot. Not a big surprise. And the other story from the book was one, actually one we've talked about on this show with Jock Peterson of the Dodgers at the time, where it was revealed in the book that, yeah, basically the Dodgers were probably using some sort of electronic form of sign stealing as well in 2018. Yeah. That's the Jock Peterson story.
3: And Jock Peterson uh... – Went walked over in. And Chase walked Huntley out was in there. Well, yeah, and he also like
2: remarked to some scouts, you know, like, hey, did we get their signs yet? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, um, but uh, I got to read that. B- I got to read that book, and yet I feel like with all these stories that have come out about the book, I feel like I've read like half of it so far. Yeah, sometimes it's the, it's the so athletic much has had excerpts from it and stuff.
3: It's like when you see a, a preview for a movie that tells the entire story. Yeah, I've told you before, right? Remember that movie about the horse that jumps off a platform at like a carnival back in the <laughs> I think you do. I think in the early, early 1900s, <laughs> And it's like. And And you're like, oh, well... Will they be brave enough to jump off the platform? And at the very end of the preview, they show the stupid horse jumping off the platform yeah. with the stupid girl on top okay, of it. Okay, thanks. Well, like, okay, unless s- I, like I save me twelve bucks. I hope they die, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pay money to <laughs> go find out. <laughs> right, you yeah. can obviously find out in like the other preview you've your, got going. Your out.
2: trailer writer sucks. dude. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, um, we got headlines we're gonna get to. We're giving away rodeo tickets this hour as well. Chris Stapleton, that's a good show right there. Uh, a four pack we're giving away between now and the top of the hour, March 16th. Chris Stapleton will be at the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo. We'll do it again in the final hour of the show as well.
3: In a world where a little girl wants to jump off a platform Mm -hmm. with a horse, will she have the guts to do it? She does.
2: As it turns out, (laughs) yes. (laughs) Thanks for coming. Things were different back then.
3: People did a lot of stupid stuff.
2: That's right. Um, Mock draft injection for the day. The Ringer. We've not done one from The Ringer yet. What does The Ringer have the Texans doing at 2? And at 12, or do they stay at 2 and 12 in this particular mock draft? The daily mock draft injection.
3: God, I hope they're not 2 and 12 this year.
2: Getting ready ready for uh, for the draft and headlines coming up. And rodeo tickets as well. That is next.
1: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.
4: the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.
0: Shoppers John Deere presents live from West Palm Beach for the start of spring baseball. Thanks to Academy Sports and Outdoors, it's pain and Pendergast on Sports Radio 610. All right, Payne and Pendergast, Sports
2: Radio 610. We are live in West Palm Beach. Big thanks to Shoppa's John Deere for bringing us down here. We are having a great time. Three more games that we will be at this week. We'll be in Port St. Lucie today to watch the, um, the Astros taking on the Mets. We'll have more for you in headlines about that, who's starting. We've, the, the starting lineups are out. We've got Adam Spillane. We've got feet on the ground over at the Astros facility this morning. Spill will jump on with us at some point between now and the end of the show, and we'll get his thoughts on uh, the game today. They'll be taking on the Mets. And um, back home tomorrow, we'll see them play the <clears throat> Red Sox, and then a game against the Cardinals in Jupiter, Florida, on Thursday. And then we are uh, then we're back headed home after the show on Friday. All right, let's get to... Today's uh, daily mock draft injection that we do, we uh, we analyze the draft from a Texans perspective through the eyes of many, many an expert around the league. The Ringer, we've not looked at what the Ringer has said about the NFL draft. I forgot how much I like the graphics on the Ringer.
3: The Ringer is a good draft guide just because it's very easy to navigate. Yes, like when you like you go through the mock draft, you click on the you click on Bryce Young and you get like a nice rundown of. His strengths and weaknesses and all it's that stuff, yeah,
2: very badass. If
3: you want something to like follow along while you're watching draft, the Ringer mm. is very good. Although, of course, along with whatever sports radio six hundred and ten dot com.
2: Indeed, is indeed, yes, absolutely. Um, the Ringer has uh, a team moving up to number one ahead of the Houston Texans, but not a team that I've seen do this before. It's uh, this is Danny Kelly's mock draft from the Ringer. He's got Carolina moving up from ninth overall, which is very interesting because that would mean Chicago. Moving back to ninth, which is certainly out of the range of getting Jalen Carter or Will Anderson, two of the best defensive players.
3: They're 100% all in on Justin Fields at that point. If you, yeah. If they they traded back to like the second, third, or fourth, you could almost still say, like, okay. I mean, it takes Stroud. we'll see. Yeah, but, uh, yeah.
2: You trade back to ninth. Um, so they've got the Bears trading back to ninth, and, and any of these trades up to number one that's not the Texans, I always go, okay, would I do that deal? There's no chance in hell I'm doing this deal. The Panthers give up their ninth overall pick, and to do that, they give up their first round pick in twenty twenty four and twenty twenty five. Yeah. So two for- now they're moving up eight spots there, not one like the Texans would be. So they've got to pay a little bit more. Um the Texans theoretically wouldn't have to give up two first rounders, but as I've said before, Seth, I don't want to do anything moving up for the Texans that involves a first round pick.
3: Right, right. I the it would feel like it would feel like you didn't actually gain anything from the Deshaun Watson trade. That's right. Where and in, in, and instead all you did was you had like three years of churn and misery without and without actually coming out ahead. You traded anything.
2: Deshaun Watson so you could beat the Colts in Week 18, basically. Yeah, right? that yeah, exactly. Right, wrong, right. You know.
3: So, um, yeah, that, that's that's exactly where uh, I would let the I would go ahead and let the Panthers have this. Yeah. Um, now in the Panthers. Taking Bryce Young, Panthers take Bryce Young. In which uh, the Ringer says that one of his one of his strengths is instinctual playmaking. I feel like oh. that's always a little bit of an insult when you say instinctual for like a guy who's a. A guy who's got this reputation of he he gets the entire scouting report from the coaches on like a Sunday night, and yeah. then he comes in Monday with notes and everything. And it, he's very he's a he's a very much of a bookworm quarterback or a film junkie quarterback. It, it's more than just being instinctive. Okay, and I hear instinctual playmaking. I hear like oh he runs around a lot and then and then makes the throw. Oh okay, see yeah. I
2: see I look at it as an addition to all of his bookworm stuff. Like he it, when when necessary when things break down. Yeah. That second play, as they like to call it, he does. He's very. High. I think Mahomes is instinctual. He's very high
3: on the um, this new. Oh, it replaced the Wonderlic. Oh, it's a visual cognition test where he just sees things more quickly. Yeah. Than uh, than other people, reportedly, he's very high in that.
2: Is that a test that we could take sometime? Like the Wonderland?
3: Yeah, yeah. If we our boss is right guy, here, we could can totally we, do it. No, you could do it for free. You're not gonna have to pay for it. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Well,
2: yeah. No, maybe we can arrange it for the whole team.
3: Oh, for everybody? Yeah, on six ten. Oh, okay. who, who do you
2: think has the best? What is it? VCP? Well, presumably, grade? it would be uh, probably Clint. Right? It should be Clint. Yeah, it should be. They, yeah. So,
3: like the quarterbacks, like Drew Brees, score really highly on it. Really good safeties score high on it. And uh, supposedly Bryce Young is scored very high. I almost
2: want just Clint to take it. Yeah, just to see like to see how he stacks is. up as a quarterback. Yeah. you know what I mean. Like, yeah.
3: Either so, you could have, yeah, like you either you didn't you either underperformed or I can't believe you made it as far as you did. I wonder whatever it was. We
2: need to bounce it. You go on with them today, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, I kind of want to see what how Clint thinks he would do on a test like that, like a visual cognitive performance test.
3: It's uh, it does it. It measures like how quickly you can see. It's not an IQ test. Yeah. It like measures how if they'll flash something up for 14 milliseconds. A yeah. lot of people can't even perceive it, but a, a lot of core baseball players are freakish with it. Right. You know, like Barry Bonds, uh, a guy like that would be unbelievable with what he can see and like actually distinguish different things about what flashes on the screen. And they also then then they have them like try to track. Several of thirty-two different objects flashing on the screen, and again, quarterbacks and safeties yeah. do really well with it. And um, and uh, this is the interesting thing: last year's quarterbacks, a class which sucked, uh, they were apparently very bad they at, it. at yeah. it. Yeah. Whereas this year, yeah, apparently there's multiple quarterbacks who are really
2: good at yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. See, that's what I wonder: is it like something that a regular Joe like me could do better than a quarterback at, or? Is it something where like even the crappiest quarterbacks have a good grade? I'm curious. I'm very they, they, curious they, about uh, this. Like as
3: compared to the regular, yeah. Like though, is Clint and...
2: easily the best of all of us on six ten? But yeah. if you threw him in a room full of quarterbacks, would he be terrible? Right. Um, all right. Let's get to uh, let's get to the Texans' actual picks here. Yes, thank you. Uh, with the second pick in the Danny Kelly Ringer mock draft, the Houston Texans select C.J. Stroud. Because Bryce Young is off the board. The Texans miss out on Young, but should still feel great about landing Stroud, a strong-arm pocket passer who showed out-of-structure playmaking talent in the in his final college game, the loss to Georgia. He's polished, he's poised, and he gives them, the Texans a quarterback to build around. Uh, we've talked about Stroud a lot over the last couple days because I feel like there's more and more mock drafts that we've been doing yeah. where the Texans are taking C.J. Stroud instead of Bryce Young for whatever reason. You I know,
3: the one thing I want to do with C.J. Stroud is go back and watch that Georgia game again because uh, the the one big knock on Stroud is that he has not done well when pressured. Like, yeah, everything kind of breaks down. Uh, and then in that Georgia game... He was making second effort plays, he was improvising, he was doing all this stuff. And I just wonder like how many how many actual total plays was that? You know, because that's sort of sometimes sometimes in an individual game you can, if you ever run a good luck, you can have the, you can create a perception that, like, wow, you're a certain type of player. Um, when in fact, it was like, oh, it was actually like four specific plays where you did something that you wouldn't typically do. But a lot of scouts are saying, all right, well, he did that against one of the best defenses in college football history, though. Yeah. So, like, if he can do it then, then what was holding him back in all these other instances? Why was he. Why was he rarely pressured? But when pressured, he didn't do that well. You know, it, what's the explanation for it? And that's going to be the story of whether guys, people feel good about him or not. Like whatever that explanation is.
2: I'm starting to talk myself into C.J. Stroud a little bit. Yeah, I'll talk myself into probably all of these guys by the time the draft rolls around. If the Texans have not traded up to one, uh, or if it looks like we may have to settle for a different guy. Yeah. I, 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 Bryce Young, I'm at a ten, right? Like on, a, on the talk myself into scale. I'm at a ten on Bryce Young. Let's go. Get, if they had the first pick, I'd say I'm all in on Bryce Young. I, yeah. Stroud, I'm at like a four right now. Anthony Richardson, I'm at like a four right now. Will Levis, I'm at like a two right now.
3: Will Levis, if man. And Hendon
2: Hendon Hooker, I'm like a three and a half.
3: Of those four guys, Will Levis is the one where like if it doesn't work out I, could, I I could see myself completely despising him um and and being very angry at Nick Cusario if it doesn't especially work if out especially they use the two on him because it's just too easy to look yeah. at Will Levis and and think wow he's like a young Josh Allen he just needs to be refined a little bit that's yeah. all I'm like no it's a lot more than that um and I almost like I I feel like he's the, he's the upside sometimes people are just presuming that it's easy to fix all that stuff now that a couple guys have shown that they can so Levis makes me nervous. Yeah. As far as Stroud, when I watch Stroud, and any, look, any of these guys can work out. I'm not saying that they can't. Um, when I watch Stroud versus Young, the really, really hard part is that, yeah, I feel way more comfortable about Stroud's size. But when I watch those two, if I watch Stroud and then I watch Young, I'm like, wow, with Stroud, I, lo- I watch a guy who everything looks comfortable and natural and quick, and just he looks like the supremely – confident and competent in everything he's doing with Stroud, I mean uh, with Young, and then with Stroud it feels so methodical, like in plotting. Robotic. Like, yes, like a very, like, first I do this then I do this, and then I'll go over here and do this, which is not the way great quarterbacks play Yeah. Um. but again, that's, I mean that that doesn't mean he can't develop into a more polished guy. It just looks so comfortable and easy for Bryce Young that it's hard not to see the difference.
2: Yep. Uh, let's get the twelfth pick done here, and then we'll hit headlines with the twelfth pick in the Danny Kelly Ringer.com mock draft. The Houston Texans select Jordan Addison, wide receiver, USC. Boy, Seth, it feels like it feels like lately all the mock drafts we've been doing have. Bryce Young or C j Stroud going with the first pick to the te- or, you know the Texans first pick yeah. number two, or the Texans trading up to get one of them, and either Addison or Quentin Johnston with the number twelve overall pick and this tells me they 're not taking a wide receiver with the 12th <laughs> overall pick <laughs>
3: one, one thing that you find too is over time and um, you know drew Doherty with the Texans does this every year where he does his own little kind of mock draft database there's there's a pretty consistent theme of if a, if a position is mocked to the Texans or teams, then it does end up being that position. So I'm going to be, at this point, I'm going to be really surprised if it's not a wide receiver at that point just because you're, you're right. It's, um, it makes so much sense if the Texans take a quarterback especially. I would yeah. say right now I would give it a 68% chance that the Texans draft a wide receiver, either Addison or Johnson with a 12th pick. If they draft a quarterback – at number two or number one overall, then I then I put it at like an eighty-five percent chance really? to take a okay, wide receiver. So you think there's
2: a good chance they take one, even if they don't take a quarterback?
3: Yeah, then. no, no, no. If they do, oh yeah, 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 like sixty-eight percent. Yeah, a yeah, yeah, chance. yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Um, okay, so there we go. So the uh, the combo platter in this particular draft is C.J. Stroud and Jordan Addison. The
3: only thing is, I don't. I, I just feel like if they're going to run it the way they ran the offense in San Francisco. That it's more likely going to be Johnston than Addison. Yeah. Um, and that's... Uh, bigger body. Yeah, just a bigger body, run-after-the-catch machine. That's like that's what has been working for them in San Francisco. Oh, he
2: is run-after-the-catch, man. He is something else.
3: T-Mobile
0: has invested billions
3: to light up America's
1: largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe.